Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 22. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Wednesday, Steelers Nation. Unfortunately, the news not a lot better today than it was on Monday coming off the Steelers loss. Dave had Mike Tomlin's press conference, some injury. Unfortunately, a lot of injury news here to two key players in Kim Hayward and Deontay Johnson. We'll go through the all 22, but how you doing, Dave? Uh, I need another. I need a second verse of uh, gloom, despair, and agony on me. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't. I don't think I'll. I'll, I'll put the uh, listeners through that this morning. Yeah, you go back through the all twenty-two and all like that. You know the recent news that we're fixing to cover uh, concerning injuries. Obviously, is it positive? So, whew, I got a and got an important game uh, coming up. Obviously, on 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 Monday night against the Browns. So. Uh, going to be a bumpy ride. That it is. And let's go through just the briefest of housekeeping here. Pittsburgh making a couple of practice squad moves yesterday, and there may be some more to come here. Signing wide receiver Jacob Copeland to the practice squad, releasing a pair of players in cornerback Luke Barku and running back Greg Bell. Copeland added, obviously, with some of the receiver injuries they're dealing with, Deontay Johnson, potentially Miles Boykin as well. Barku and Bell were in camp with the team, and there is a spot now open on the practice squad that may help fill a defensive line injury, offensive line, something else. So that's just one quick, uh, you know, housekeeping thing I want to hit here at the top of the show. Yeah. Uh, now we wait and see what's, uh, you know, uh, you would think that they're going to put Cameron Hayward on the IR. It's just a matter of when it seems like at this point, we'll have to see when actually actual, you know, the, the surgery takes place. Uh, Jerry Dulac obviously had to report on, on Wednesday morning about Deontay Johnson, you know, uh, up to four weeks, hopefully, uh, you know, if they don't put him on IR, that that means they obviously think he'll be back within four weeks, and that that probably should be the case. But you know, Mike Tomlin saying you know, uh, not going to play uh, Monday against the Browns. That's not a surprise when you go back and look how he went down and the pain he was in and clutching that that hamstring, and now really, and it's it's really been on my mind. I guess since he did go down, is this a one week, a two week, a three week, a four week uh, type injury here uh, with him? But I mean, you come out of shoot not only did you play bad uh, on both sides of the football against the 49ers you lose your defensive cabinet captain in cam hayward and uh you lose your best route runner uh on on the team in in in, in deontay johnson for for at least a week and you know, I'll, I'll be surprised if it's not more more than one week yeah let's go there now the biggest news for pittsburgh as we get ready for the cleveland browns monday night is pittsburgh will definitely be without cam hayward who's going to have surgery per mike tomlin on that injured groin don't know the exactly when that surgery will happen don't know the exact timetable jerry dulac reporting up to eight weeks we'll just have to to wait and see on that and very very uh, unlikely that deontay johnson will play as you mentioned with that hamstring injury potentially going to miss a month with uh, the thing he suffered at the end of his 26-yard catch and run 
against the 49ers. So 0-1 team heading in or hosting Cleveland, but playing Cleveland, a team that's coming off a great week one win uh, without Pittsburgh will have without uh, Cam Hayward and Deontay Johnson. So tough set of circumstances overall. The question becomes, okay, they're not going to play or, you know, almost assuredly won't play in the case of Johnson. How do they replace these guys? And obviously trying to replace them one-to-one, it's not going to happen. It's going to have to be a committee type of thing. Let's start though with, with Cam Hayward and how do you begin to replace all that he brings to your team, Dave? Uh, lead pipes, chains, uh, tire chains, uh, maybe some brass knuckles. Uh, look, it's, it's a chore. Now here's, uh, you, and you'll probably agree with this after I know it took you a while to get around to their defensive tape and all like that on, on the all 22, I was able to run through it a second time last night. If there was any (laughs) <laughs> brights, you know, half bright spots about uh, the way uh, uh, the defensive uh, unit played against the 49ers. Uh, it was probably some of those guys on that defensive line. Uh, Keanu Benton, uh, I think, uh, according to your charting, like he played, what, 29 snaps in total. I think like 28 of those uh, he was on the field when Cam Hayward was not on the field. Thought he represented himself well overall. Uh, I thought Larry Ogunjobi, and I think I said this mm-hmm. uh, uh, coming out coming out of just the uh, the TV tape watch, uh, and was excited to get in to kind of see how he played on the All 22 because I thought he represented himself well on a TV tape. Uh, I thought he, you know, I, I think that the the All 22 backed that up with him. I thought Leal did a couple of nice things. I thought, uh, look, it wasn't a great game uh, across the board for 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 for, for that unit, but uh, and sp- specifically like a guy like Loudermilk. But uh, I think Loudermilk made a couple of plays uh, in that game. And in fact, you go back and one of those inside kind of twist stunts uh, uh, that he had, he ended up getting a hand on. And good thing he did, because that's probably a home run ball uh, if he doesn't bat down uh, that that pass there uh, overall. So how do they feel? I think we're going to know. I think we'll get a better uh, idea by the end uh, by sometime on Sunday or, or even maybe as late as Monday, depending on when they do elevations, I would expect Braden Fajoko to be elevated from the uh, practice squad uh, and potentially dress as a run, you know, as a nose run defender uh, against the Browns. And then I, you know, I, I guess the question becomes uh, who sits between uh, Loudermilk and Armand Watts. Now, Mike Tomlin talked up Armand Watts pretty good uh, in his press conference on Tuesday, but is this more of a, well, he hasn't done anything wrong. He's just catching up to the moving train and, and had a good week, yada, yada. Uh, you know, Loudermilk, probably the better run defender of the two there. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, I think you just stack. You, you just try to stack this guy, uh, this line with as many of these big boys up front as you can and 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 hold on. I, I would expect Benton to uh, play an even higher number of snaps than he did against the 49ers. And, you know, it's a grow going to be a grow up game. This might be the you know, we might be at the point point this early in the season with him where he gets on the field and. You know, he he becomes then the you know overtakes uh, Montrevious Adams at at mm-hmm. the very 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 at least in the middle uh, of that defense. I didn't think of all those guys up front on that defensive line. Uh, Montrevious Adams had the best game, 
uh, and and Leal was inconsistent, and Loudermilk was inconsistent. I I thought, but uh, I thought Benton and Ogunjobi represented himself well overall. And you're just going to have to mix and match and and rotate those guys uh, through, I think, and 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 hope uh, Keanu Benton grows up fast. To the point about who do you make an active, assuming that you elevate somebody like Braden Fajoko, and I agree, you want an interior, true one-tech plugger against a you know really talented Browns offensive line that just went for 206 against the Bengals in week one. But you know I haven't done all the math in terms of how that would look, and, and injuries are going to obviously play a role here, but could you have all seven guys on the D-line active in this one? Watts, Laudermilk, Fajoko, the whole, the whole group, just because depth is going to be tested and you want to try to compensate for losing Hayward and keep guys fresh. I don't think it's a, you know, we just, we just kind of assume there's going to be one guy inactive. And of course there could be, but I don't think it's a crazy thought given the game circumstance, uh, game circumstances to to have all these guys active. Well, and, and this goes back to other matriculations uh, with the, with the roster that you're going to have to have. Uh, uh, are, are they going to have to, you know, what's going on with miles Boykin? You know, sure, uh, sure. uh, could you get in a situation where you have uh, Des, Fitzpat- Des Fitz- Fitzpatrick and Braden Fajoko as two elevations? All right. So let's say you have two elevations. You would need seven inactives at that point. Uh, uh, and, you know, you would already think that Deontay Johnson would be one of them. Uh and probably, you know, uh, let's say it'll be Mason Rudolph, uh, probably Dylan Cook again. You'd probably have to pick a corner again uh, to 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 be mm-hmm. inactive. I mean, Boko doesn't have to be elevated, though. In theory, you could just sign him to the 53, put Hayward well, yeah, on IR yeah, and, and, yeah. and not even call up necessarily Fitzpatrick and just roll with, you know, five inactives again. OK, sure. OK, uh, go go that way and then. Well, I mean, if Fitzpatrick was an elevation, though, you'd still have to have six, six. No, right. Uh, I'm saying don't don't elevate. Maybe you don't elevate Fitzpatrick okay. for whatever reason. All right. Well, then then roll back to the assumption that it'll be just five inactives again. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Mason Rudolph, Dylan Cook, Deontay Johnson, uh, uh a corner, right? right? And then just one more and that may be a health thing where somebody else can't play for whatever reason. Right. So, I mean, I don't think it's, you know, to answer your question, I mean, it, it's not totally out of the, the, uh, the question that you have all seven dress. Yeah. Um, it, it was interesting. And I agree watching back the all 22, I felt better about the individual play. The D line. I thought Ogunjobi as a pass rusher was really effective. Benton did some good things, especially early in that one. Leal against the run. Leal has been weird. He's been, been better against the run than he has been as a pass rusher. Although Leal's a guy that if he gets doubled, then he gets washed because he's not the strength to anchor. But you know, individually the play didn't seem horrendous, but collectively you still give up you know 180 something yards on the ground to San Francisco. Granted, one coming on a big chunk play, 65 yard touchdown, but still those are chunk plays you absolutely cannot allow, especially to Nick Chubb in this Monday night game. So I'm just kind of sitting there going, I thought the individual play of the D-line was decent, but, you know, the results speak for themselves and the results overall were not where it needs to be. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you get out of Montre? I mean, and Montre, don't get me wrong, Montrevious Adams had a couple of, of, of decent snaps, but, uh, you know, it, the way this game transpired and got away from you, you know, I, I didn't think overall. Uh, I actually have Loudermilk playing slightly better than Montrevious. I have Montrevious Adams as the as the worst, uh, uh, worst, worst defensive lineman in this game. And he played, 
he played 34 snaps in in no wait, wait 31 snaps no 34 snaps in this game. Yeah, I, you know, he could play some more defensive end potentially to help compensate for Hayward. You know, assuming Watts gets a hat and he's gonna gonna do that. It just you know, are you gonna find the consistency that Hayward brings? And you know, the starters you know on paper might look decent enough if you go with say Ogunjobi, Benton, Leal. Okay, maybe you can work with that. But how does your rotation look? And when guys get worn down, and heck, Leal's still dealing with that arm injury right now. We don't even know what his status is. Although I don't know if Mike Tomlin named him yesterday, which would probably be a good sign overall for his chances to to practice and play in this game. But all the things that Hayward bring in tangibly, the effort, collapsing the pocket, which helps the edge rusher so much. They don't really have another power rusher on this team, you know, interior defensive line besides Cam Hayward. You know, Benton's not there yet. Nogan Joby's a bit more finesse. Um, you know, Adams isn't, you know, going to offer you a little bit, but, but not a lot. Liao is not that type of dude. So who is that pocket collapser? It's always been Cam Haywood without him. That may be one of the things you miss the most until he returns. Right, right. And it's going to, it's going to be a while. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is just TJ Watt all over. I mean, this guy's going to miss, you know, potentially eight or so weeks, come back. I don't know exactly why. No one probably knows right now, but, you know, week 10, because even whenever he starts practicing, he's going to get conditioning back in probably two weeks or so uh, whenever he comes off of injured reserve. So we're just looking at TJ Watt all over again. Yep. Yep. You lose your, you know, one of your top uh, defenders and uh, it's not easy to overcome. Yeah. And then there is some question about, you know, Kaywood's future and he's 34. Coming off, you know, as you pointed out, he's been a pretty big beacon of health, but this is a severe injury that's going to require surgery. And I'm not trying to call it a career for the guy. I think he's going to come back this year and, and hopefully play well. But 34 with a pretty serious injury is something that uh, can't be, you know, just pushed aside. Yeah, but he is under contract for through through the 2024 season. And I mean, well, uh, the, the telltale is, is how to, how does he play when he comes back from this thing? I mean, there's nothing that you can do at this point. He's going to miss the sure. games. Uh, you know, like you said, uh, identical situation, or well, at least we hope. Uh, you know, I, uh, I, Dr. Mel had a great post about it uh, yesterday, right? She expects him to, to, to come back, you know, uh, after that eight week time and, and, and be, you know, I, I guess technically uh, the expectations would be to pick up where he left off. Right. But I mean, even that downtime, how, how long would it take him to, you know, TJ Watt, even when TJ Watt came back last year, he talked about, he got Nick, you know, this was still nicked up and, mm. uh, uh, he, he, he wasn't the player he wanted to be even after coming back. Sure. I don't think most players are the player they want to come be, they want to be whenever they miss uh, so much time like this. They're trying to come back and get their conditioning right and just get back in the flow of things. It's tough to do. And for Hayward, it's not like he's dealt with really ever coming back from an injury before. Because when he got injured in 2016, he was out for the year, right? And so he's never really come back from this lengthy absence before right. in the NFL. By the way, Pittsburgh did just fill up their last practice squad spot. They've uh, brought back center Ryan McCollum to the practice squad. So just made that news official. Uh, just after 10.30 a.m. on Wednesday. So Ryan McCollum is going to fill out the practice squad. Okay. Um, but yeah, with Hayward, it's... Uh, again, I'm not, I'm not suggesting he's not going to be a Steeler next year. I very much believe that that he will be. You just start to wonder, you know, father time and, you know, the power that his games is predicated on, what, what that's going to be. I'm not going to discount this guy because, I mean, he has just embodied everything that's meant to be a Steeler and his game has been so good even at, his age, it was unfortunate. I mean, the play that he got hurt on was classic Cam Hayward, bull rushing, collapsing the pocket, 
and just got overextended. And, and that's how he goes down. He got hurt in the way that, that Cam Hayward is, is at his best. And so replacing that, it's obviously going to be very, very difficult, but it, it does kind of bring to the forefront the conversation of at some point, you'll have to replace this guy more permanently. And does Pittsburgh have that, that answer right now? They may not. Yeah, we'll see for sure. Uh, and, you know, the big news is the now, and, and yeah. you're not going to have them now. <laughs> And won't have, or in all likelihood, won't have Deontay Johnson for the now and probably for the next couple of weeks as well. And so that's your best route runner. That's your ex receiver. That's the guy that's supposed to, you know, be your top target. And in a game where you saw the Browns corners do a really good job against the Bengals' top flight receivers, and Mike Tomlin very, you know, clearly said yesterday he thought the Browns corners were the reason why they won that game, the reason why they held Joe Burrow to 82 yards and a 40% completion percentage. And so you're going into that game against Ward and Newsom and Emerson and down, you know, your best technical route runner and probably still your best receiver overall. And so that's just another, another tough blow, especially when you consider the matchup. Uh, I see a lot of uh, or some uh, media speculation that uh, uh, Alan, you know, with with Deontay Johnson's sideline, that Alan Robinson will move to the outside uh, and, and and play more, and and Calvin Austin the third will 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 uh, you know basically become the slot guy predominantly. Uh, that may happen, but uh, I'll tell you what happened on the tape <laughs> against the 49ers and uh, throughout the game. And even after Deontay Johnson uh, uh, left the game is that Allen Robinson predominantly played in the, in, 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 in the slot against the 49ers and uh, Calvin Austin was, was outside uh, because of the way that Allen, you know, the more, the bigger, the more physical guy and, and, you know, the blocking event and Allen Robinson did have a nice game. I thought uh, as, as a blocker in this one, uh, I, I will, I'm expecting it to kind of be, go against the grain from what, what the media's uh, expectations are. I, and, and in other words, I think we're going to see more of a duplicate of what we saw in that game against the 49ers with, with Calvin Austin the third, mostly being on the outside and, 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 and uh, Allen Robinson, uh, the second being uh, inside in the slot. Yeah. I'm just looking at some of the charting we just got in from our Tom Mead. I haven't gone through it with a fine tooth comb, but it appears in the 35 snaps in which Deontay Johnson did not play against the 49ers. Uh, Allen Robinson was a slot receiver for 29 of mm. them. And so that, that tracks with what the tape is saying there. I can try to do the same here with Calvin Austin's numbers uh, briefly in terms of how much he lined up on the outside. Just maybe give me one second here. And again, doing some rough math. It looks like 21 of the 35 snaps in which Johnson did not play Austin was on the outside. So again, that probably validates your thought there. And, and, and Austin was an outside receiver at Memphis. And so he's not, you know, boxed into the slot, but these guys will mix and match uh, as you said, but, but I'm, I'm with you. I think predominantly Robinson slot receiver zone beater. Um, and, and then Austin plays on the outside as that vertical, you know, downfield threat. Yeah. And, and although Austin did play some in the slot at Memphis, he was, he, he was, if you look back at, you know, uh, uh, those seasons and all, you know, a lot of us just thought because of the size and who the Steelers had mm -hmm. and all like that, that, you know, the natural progression would, would be for him to become more of a slot guy, but it's not like he played a ton of slot at, at Memphis. No, he was again, predominantly an outside guy, but obviously the NFL, given the size, you want to bump him inside and then Pittsburgh having Johnson as your established X receiver, you know, made that all the more obvious, but he's a guy that certainly is experienced playing outside and, and I'm comfortable with Robinson in the slot for the run blocking, as you said, and just kind of the, the dirty work over the middle. So um, again, they're going to rotate and replacing Johnson, probably not a one man job either, but, but I'm with you on the general probably outlook of how this thing's going to go. 
look, I, I don't care where they line that kid up at. Uh, they got to get the ball in his hands more <laughs> uh, and, 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 and get some of that uh, yards after the catch and some of those long, long touchdowns that I predicted ahead of the season uh, 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 with him. I, uh, I, he potentially could be Calvin Austin III potentially could, could potentially be a, a huge factor in this game uh, if, if they end up winning. Right. Because you have to think that the Browns are going to even pay even more, more attention to, uh, to, to George Pickens now. Right. You want to talk about a guy that has, uh, he's already frustrated. It seems like as it is, uh, what if they, what if they, uh, what if Jim Schwartz, uh, main goal other than stopping the run is to, is to really keep a lid on, 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 on George Pickens in this game. Sure. I imagine that it is the way that it was their goal to try to limit Jamar Chase and T Higgins as they did so successfully last week. So yeah, bump and run, roll coverage, take him away, make somebody else win. If I was Jim Schwartz, that's my game plan. Right. That's mine too. So, uh, yeah, Pittsburgh not in a great place right now to kind of go through some of the other injuries. It might be a slightly rosier outlook on some of the other guys that were in and out of the game on Sunday. Uh, I think basically saying that, you know, Ogan Joby and James Daniels, Pat Frymuth, um, they're, you know, might be limited early this week, but with the extra day, looking like they have a good chance to play this weekend. Chakuma Korfor is going through concussion protocol. Obviously, the protocol will dictate whether or not he plays. But Tomlin did not appear to be overly concerned about a core for missing this one. No one can say for sure. It's up to the, the doctors, obviously, in the protocol. But it seems like there's you know a fairly realistic chance a core for will play uh, on Monday night. Okay. And am I missing so anything else? I mean, I, you just hope from an overall health. You know, all these yeah. guys that uh, can 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 make their way back. All right, Tomlin speaking. His uh, first Tomlin Tuesday um, after the well, I mean, of course he is Tomlin Tuesday. He had one before the season, but the first one after the season uh, began. And so, what all did Tomlin have to say that kind of caught your attention, Dave? Uh, let's see here. He talked about Cam and obviously losing him. Uh, uh, we said earlier in the show he really praised up Armand Watts, but we'll have to see if that's coach speak and how that plays out going into Monday night. Uh, need better punting. Call out the punting unit. Oh yeah, the, the, the punting. Yeah, and look, I mean, we we mentioned that the other day that uh, uh, back 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 to the inconsistent ways there, right? You know, uh, that's got to be better. He talked about statistically and flipping the field and and drive starts and all like that. That's you know, for us advanced to us geeks. That's that's nothing new there. Uh, he talked about Joey Porter Jr. Everybody up in arms about Joey Porter Jr. Only playing seven snaps in this game, and uh, Mike Tomlin explained why. And you drilled that down even further. Yeah, his answer was what I expected, and I don't think anyone should be incredibly alarmed by it. But basically, Porter's role in that game was to, uh, you know, play in their dime defense. And when the 49ers sit on the lead the entire game and they can run the ball effectively and they stay on schedule, Pittsburgh is rarely in their dime defense. Only had seven snaps of it the whole time, and so the game circumstance often dictates personnel, and especially for you know non-true starters, the way that you know Patrick Peterson and and Levi Wallace are. So Tomlin's, you know, made the quip, you don't play dime defense on third and two. And the 49ers were in third and short or avoiding third down altogether quite a bit in this game. So I, I didn't have an issue with Porter, you know, playing the number of snaps that he did. I understood that's, you know, just how the game flow went. If the Browns do the same as the 49ers in, in week two, then Porter snaps will probably again be limited. If the Browns play from behind and it's a really competitive game, Pittsburgh gets a late lead, then Porter's going to end up playing you know, 20, 30 snaps in this one. So that's the ebb and flow based on 
It's just game circumstance. Uh, Mike, Tom, yeah, a good point there. And look, uh, you, hopefully you can get the Browns in some third and long situations because, you know, part of uh, the maturation process with Joey Porter Jr. is getting him what? More snaps. And sure. it's something that uh, Mike Tomlin wishes they were able to do uh, during the preseason a little bit more. He missed the one game uh, due, due, due to injury there. Uh, I think we'll see Joey Porter Jr. on the field uh, uh, at least seven snaps against the Browns. Hope if he does, <laughs> hope so. if he plays seven or less snaps, things have probably have not gone well. Because uh, uh, I think you know, I think you obviously want to keep the uh, keep the Browns in, uh, in 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 third and long situations as as much as possible. So I would think that they would probably duplicate kind of uh, the you know what their what their plan was with him mm-hmm. in, in situationally uh, there it just will the game dictate more or less snaps as far as uh, that goes Alex, the, the, well the, go the question is just really quickly I mean and some people will argue well Porter should be starting or maybe you should reduce playing time for Peterson and Wallace so that that's kind of the counter argument to, to be made there hold on folks it's gonna happen <laughs> mm-hmm. just not this week uh probably not this week but it's it's going to happen uh sooner rather than later i think uh uh look does uh i mean it's hard to say uh what ifs here does joey porter miss that tackle on mccaffrey i mean he's missed some he's you know a bigger probably a bit more physical than levi but you know it's hard to say for sure i i just don't think and and people may not like me to, me to say this, but I don't think Porter's ready to play, you know, a starting every down kind of role. I think he's just not quite there in terms of refining some of the more edges of his game and zone coverage, which I played a ton of in this game and off man tackling. I just think he's not quite there yet. Okay. Well, if you go 0-2 against the Browns and your defense looks about the same that they looked against the 49ers, I'm all for uh, uh, pulling out the uh, the brand new uh, deck chairs to see how they look <laughs> on, on, on the deck. <laughs> <laughs> on this sinking yeah, ship that look, would be the Pittsburgh's team. Yeah, I mean, uh, right? I mean, you, you get... And look, I mean, 0-2 in... There's all the stats that back it up at 0-2 and playoffs and yada, yada. And I think Mike Tomlin's gone, what, 0-2 twice during his uh, during his tenure in Pittsburgh. And both those seasons ended up with 8-8 uh, eight and, eight and and missing the playoffs. And if Levi Wallace does not grade out a lot better than he graded out against the uh, against the 49ers Monday night, I, I, I think you can – I break out the brand get the get the new deck chairs out let's look at them yeah i mean i don't want to put the cart before the horse you know we'll, we'll cross that bridge and if and when we come to it um th- there's a line to walk though you know do you do you play the guy because you're owing two do you play the guy if he's ready you know my whole mindset is play the guy when he's ready and if you don't if you play when he's not ready because you're owing two it feels a little bit let's just do something and a little panicky but i understand your point this guy's gonna play and play more this year and so i'm not too concerned about the, the lack of, of snaps for him in week one. Alex, I got uh, some good news for you. Uh, mm. Mike Tomlin believes that uh, Kenny Pickett will rebound because of football justice. Yeah, I don't know what that means exactly. Is that just the, the ebb and flow of you know good games, bad games? What does football justice mean, Dave? Uh, my interpretation is he worked so damn hard and so did diligent and all like that that uh, good things come out of hard work. How much do you believe that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
don't don't tell me about the labor pain. Show right. me the baby. You know. I mean, I I mean, I get it. Obviously, he's saying you know if you work hard and you know they view him as a talented guy, then you know things are going to turn around. And of course, there's going to be better days ahead, and he could have a great game against the Browns. There's Evan and Float. I mean, you know, Joe Burrow just had a miserable game. You know, Josh Allen had a miserable game. Uh, Daniel Jones, same thing. So there's a, you know half the league's talking about how bad things are week one, and and we'll you know we'll see what the long scope of the season is, but. Um, it, it, you know, I, I wrote the article yesterday. It's time for Kenny Pickett to show what he's made of. You got, you know, chips are down. You're the underdog again. You're no longer the trendy favorite. You got a lot of adversity. You're facing a really good Browns team. Time to step up. You're the guy. Be the guy. I'll tell you what. If uh, if Kenny Pickett ends up with a 2.0 adjusted net yards per passing attempt jump over last year's number uh, this season, and the Steelers get in the playoffs and win a playoff game. Uh, I will get, uh, football justice, uh, as a small tattoo on my arm. Ooh. All right. Hey, that's on the record now that is recorded. Okay. So I'm holding you to that there. What was his, um, I, I know sample sizes are very small. We're not going to take uh, inventory of it too much, but what was his adjust adjusted net yards for passing attempt against the 49ers? I know Purdy was above seven. I, I know Pickett was not above seven. Uh, not great, Bob. I <laughs> <laughs> was like three. I'm guessing I'm uh, sure. four something. Yeah. Let me pull it up real quick. Yeah, I don't have it right here in front of me. Just because it's a number we want to track throughout the season. Again, one game, not going to, it's going to change wildly, but just to, to give us the barometer. Oh, wait, wait. It ended up being lower than what I thought. Uh, 2.51. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, not last season, it was 4.70. So it was 2.51. Uh, I was looking at his average. Uh, Went two uh, points the other way. It's supposed to go two points up, not you know, two points yeah, down. Yeah. So. I mean, look, you get sacked. You know, here, yeah. here's, the, here's the things that matter in that stat. You know, uh, attempts, uh, completions, touchdowns, interceptions, sacks, and sacks yard, sack, sack yardage there. And obviously, it wasn't a good, good, great, great game for him. So uh, 2.51 is not great, Bob. No, not going to win really any games that way. I don't know how many how many quarterbacks were worse than that. I'm guessing Burrow was worse. I don't know if anybody else had a, a lower number than that. Uh, leaders, uh, passing. Uh, I guess Tua to... probably was first and maybe maybe Daniel Jones, but I'm betting Burrow had a lower number because the numbers were just so obscenely high school-esque. Let's, let's see if I can pull this real quick here. Uh, Daniel Jones. Negative point nine four. What? Uh, Man. Yeah, because he got he, sacked a bunch. I guess. Yeah, sacked a bunch seven times for forty-seven yards. Uh, let's see, Ryan Tannehill one point two four. Uh, Bryce Young one point four three. Joe Burrow two point oh three. At least we can laugh at Joe Burrow. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Josh Allen, 2.22. How's that one for you? Hey, he beat Kenny Pickett, beat Josh Kenny, Allen. Kenny, so. Kenny Pickett, uh, edged out, uh, Josh Allen. Uh, but on the flip side of that, Joshua Dobbs, 3.45 beat out mm -hmm. Kenny Pickett. So, yeah. and, and, and look, I mean, uh, for, for all that, uh, Cleveland did in that game, Deshaun Watson, 3.72. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, their 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 run game was what won it. And I think even Watson had a rushing touchdown. So it's not like their passing game was super prolific. But of course, they played with the lead throughout you know that second half, and they they got to take the air out of the football. They ran the ball forty times in that game. But anyway, I'm getting in the weeds here. The numbers, um, just something to track and just a starting point here for Kenny Pickett. Tomlin did, and, and there's been some 
Oh, what do the kids say? They don't say this, but scuttlebutt about uh, Kenny Pickett and getting his head, you know, hit off the ground on that first sack on the uh, first third down of the season. And Tomlin saying there was no indication of a concussion. Nobody, he didn't exhibit any symptoms. And so downplaying that, I don't know if you want to call it conspiracy theory, but idea that Kenny Pickett was injured on that sack. And that's the reason why he played so poorly the rest of the day. Have you looked at that at all the different angles and even uh, uh, on on the all twenty two in zone view? Depending on on which way you look at it, it it looks you know it looks worse on the TV tape replay than it does uh, on on the all twenty two. You know, so I should just seen the TV tape. I hadn't gone all Subruder film on it, but I, I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I knew I knew that you would. Um, I mean, he's got the new helmet. Probably what saved him is that new helmet too, because he's got whatever that uh, quarterback specific helmet is that helps reduce some of those impacts. And so, I mean, nobody knows for sure, but you know, Kenny Pickett's really good about reporting symptoms. It happened multiple times last year. There's independent spotters. Um, I'm not going to, I don't believe he was concussed. I'm not going to use that as a reason why I thought Pickett played so poorly in this game. Do you think the way that Mike Tomlin answered the question at least gives credence to he did bang his head? I mean, he hit his head, but just because he, he, he says there's so many protocols in place, independent medical specialists and so forth. I would imagine the quarterback position has less of my eyes directly than it used to. So I didn't have directly eyes on what it is that you mentioned. Obviously I saw it after, but there was no hesitancy from the independent medical experts and so forth, so forth. He didn't res, uh, express any symptoms relative to that play that you mentioned. So it was a non-discussion. So, I mean, did somebody at least see something and, and check him out? I'm guessing. What, I don't did, think did anybody it, did. Did, they did, did it get that it. far? I mean, you no. can, I mean, but, but would they have to report, do they have to report that he's getting checked for, for, for a concussion? Someone would have noticed that if he's getting checked for a concussion, if he's going into the blue tent or the locker room or just being attended by trainers, they're going to cap. It's the quarterback. They're, they're going to capture that. So I don't believe he was ever checked. I mean, the spotters look and they're viewing these things. And if a player shows any symptoms as they come off the field of instability or anything like that, that's when they get alerted to, to be checked out. Um, but I think Tomlin's saying is there's so many eyes on these guys that Tomlin's not looking at it super intently because others are. And there's no indication that Pickett was exhibiting any sort of symptoms. All right, here's my, here's my, my 30,000 after, after examining, examining all the evidence, your honor. Uh, oh my here, goodness. Here is my 30,000 uh, foot uh, takeaway on, on all of this. Uh, Mike Tomlin and the Steelers have been pretty adamant about not fooling around with uh, concussion and protocol and, mm-hmm. and, and all like that. Uh, and especially when you take into account, Last year, in a couple of instances that that Kenny had, uh, if they had any question whatsoever about this, he would have been yanked out of the game. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think this is a non-story. I think people are just trying to find a way to. Oh, this is why Pickett played poorly and try to maybe make them feel make themselves feel a twinge bit better. I suppose. No, I mean I don't believe there's no evidence, at least, that he was concussed or was injured in any way. He just, to me, had a bad game. All right. Uh, what else might Tomlin say that capture your eye? Mr. Chubb. He loves saying, he said that last year, right? Didn't he? Is he, did he keep calling Nick Chubb, Mr. Chubb? I believe so, but he I, sure, I, he went out of his way to say it a couple of times on, on, on Tuesday. 
I was going to look it up and see if Tomlin called him Mr. Chubb last year, but I was really afraid to uh, search Mr. Chubb. <laughs> probably would not get <laughs> probably would not get results back in Nick Chubb. So I, I passed on that one. But yeah, he's obviously spoken highly. That's of him probably and, already in your search history. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to clean my search history and my eyeballs after uh, looking that up. But uh, no, Chubb is the center point of that offense. Obviously, he ran for 100 yards last week. Um, you know, I know they've talked about reducing his carry some. I don't know if that mission was really accomplished in this game. Well, I think Jerome Ford, you know, got a fair amount of snaps probably late in that one. But yeah, I mean, the Browns start with their run game and the run game starts with Mr. Chubb. All right. And if they don't shut down Mr. Chubb on Monday night, it's going to be a long game, plain and simple. And that's right. that's pretty much what he uh, what he made clear. What did you think about his comments about Desmond King? Not really a whole lot to to make. I mean, I just, you know, understand he's a guy that got here pretty late and, you know, Tomlin didn't seem to, you know, make too much of a comment about it, but kind of like Armand Watts where he's just kind of moving train. And of course, Watts has been here a whole lot longer, but I, I think King, I think King probably is active for this game. You want a physical nickel corner um, to help, you know, attack the run, play the backside, blitz a little bit. Um, I, I don't know for sure. And I was wrong. I thought King would be active against the 49ers, but I think King dresses in this game. Me special team snaps did Chandon Sullivan play in this game? He played eleven. Okay, maybe more than than I thought, but that's that's more. If you if you would have uh, now, I haven't pulled the uh, the special teams tape yet, but uh, if you would have asked me before I looked this up, I would have guessed that number would have been lower than eleven. Yeah, but now you're dealing with the, you know, what, 47-man roster on game day as opposed to preseason when you got a full 90 to play with. So, you know, guys have to start. You know, Porter only played two special team snaps. I thought he might have played some more. I mean, he's not giving you, you know, a ton of value unless you're in your dime defense a lot. But that was kind of interesting overall. There's some guys on the back end of this roster that probably aren't seeing a lot of action, even though they're dressing. Right. Uh, so we'll watch. We'll have to see what that decision turns out to be come come Monday night. And how many did Elijah Riley play? I'm guessing was similar, if not more, in this one. I have yet to go through. Uh, 17, core guy. Here here, here, yeah. here, here, were your core guys, uh, it seems like. Uh, uh, we'll start at kind of the bottom here. Landon Roberts with 14. Uh, then it goes Pierre, Killebrew, uh, Mark Robinson, and Riley, all with 17. Nick Herbig, 20. We figured he'd play a lot there. And then on the offensive side of the ball, uh, Connor Hayward, Miles Boykin were core guys at 17 each. Okay. Yeah, I figured that. So we'll see. I mean, do you think King is going to address Monday night? I don't know. Okay. I, I don't know. Okay. Be because I of uh, kind of the way Mike Tomlin answered that question because of uh, – what exactly did he say? Can you jog my memory here a little bit? I have it uh, tracked uh, let's somewhere. Let's see here. He says, let me find it here. You know, I'll let the week tell me, man. I'm not worried about his level of conditioning or health. We checked that box before we acquired him, but knowing what to do, how and how much he communicates, infusing him into a group that already includes some new people. And so I'm just talking out loud about some of the thought process that goes into discussion about when and how we infuse him into it. My main takeaway from that is I would lean that he will not dress just from those words, but that's yeah. that, that's all we're going on. Yeah, it was a pretty soft answer, but you know, Tomlin, I'm sure has not 
does not know for sure if he's going to dress or not. Those determinations be made based on how practice goes, health, all that kind of stuff. So we'll see. Uh, anything else Mike Tomlin said that that uh, caught you? I think his comments at the end about praising the job the O-line did in pass protection caught a lot of people's attention. I think there's probably a, a good deal of pushback there when you see how you know just poor the offense was in general. Kenny Pickett sacked five times, but... You know, watching the all 22 and kind of segue into this day, I thought the pass pro was actually, given the circumstances, the lack of a run game, just because they played from behind the entire day, but the pass protection actually was was pretty good. Uh, I'll go. I'll, I'll take uh, uh, serviceable. I mean, it was I, it was not I'll like take a little lower than that. OK, well, how would you describe it? Uh, inconsistent. Okay. I mean, it's also like you're facing a really talented 49ers right. rush. I mean, it, you know, and, you're, and they're pinning their ears back the entire game, essentially. You threw the ball, you know, 50 times in this one. So I think just given the circumstances. I thought it was, I thought it was good. I thought it was your good coming out of, uh, coming out of the TV tape. Okay. I but mean, then, there were certainly then, problems. Getting into the all 22, it, it, it uh, looked less than good. Sure. I mean, again, there were problems, but when you're when you're playing from behind against you know Bosa and Hargrave and all these first round dudes, you know, there's going to be some problems. So, I mean, I, I posted the one clip of Say Malu getting getting beat so bad the D tackle thought it was a screen. Like that's how bad <laughs> he got beat on that rep, which you rarely see, but it has happened before. So, I mean, I recognize you know Dan Moore. I thought speed the power still struggling with that as punch. Um, you know, being able to refit his hands, problems there. Um, some stunt pickup issues a little bit later in that game. So there certainly were problems, but just the totality of it all. I just think when you see five sacks and see how bad this passing game was, the O-line was better than you might expect. And they barely ran the ball as well, too. So uh, we don't have a good gauge, although on the limited runs that they did have outside of the, you know, the wide receiver blocking was 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 OK on, on that run by Najee Harris there. But I mean, but you have nine total runs in this game and one of them, I guess that was technically a pass to uh uh, Austin uh, on that early jet screen, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, who I think we talked about that the other day, you know, that, that, that wasn't going to work the, mo- the moment that you, you, you tossed it to him. But look, I, I, I would like to see this uh, team uh, try to make a more concerted effort to run the football for sure. You know, uh, I, cause that would take a lot of pressure off Kenny Pickett if you're able to do that. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, the, the, the whole offseason was built around being able to run the ball and you know, be what they were the second half of last year, but be a better version of that. And they really never got the chance to get in rhythm and show that. I mean, I think run blocking for the O-line and, and the small sample size that it was, was not good. Uh, there were linebackers running free, couldn't get hats on guys. Uh, Fred Warner just had a field day in the limited runs that they had. And so if, you, if you're not blocking that guy, it's going to be a tough day. Yeah. And boy, was he running free, was he not? Oh, yeah. I mean, he he just was dominant, you know, coverage run game, um, either just not getting a hat on him at all or, you know, Dan Moore on one rep was late to work to him and, and Warner scrapes over the top and makes a tackle. I mean, he was just teeing off on the, on the backs all day. All right. Uh, we done with Tomlin? Yeah. You want to get mean, into not, the not literally. <laughs> well, so <laughs> most many are. people are. Yeah, most are. Um, yeah, I'm not calling for any, any firings here, but let, let, let's talk all, all 22 now, Dave, reviewing the tape. Let's start with the Steelers offense since we're already talking about it. Your your takeaways, Kenny Pickett through the all twenty two, the offense in general. What are your thoughts? 
he missed some plays. I'll tell you that. Uh, we knew that though, coming out of the TV tape. So that's nothing uh, new there. It, it, it felt like as it game got into the second half and specifically, you know, after that McCaffrey touchdown, uh, it was hit just him trying to make plays at that point, you know, uh, uh, obviously the accuracy was not there. Uh, and I think we both have pointed out at this point here, you know, one of those early misses to Allen Robinson, uh, probably on Robinson for, you know, I, I think there was a miscommunication there. Pickett thought he was going to, uh, settle in, in, in that soft area of the zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robinson kept trying to run, looked like he was trying to run through it. The ball was behind him, uh, there. Uh, and that's but, on Robinson, right? right I, I put that on right, Robinson. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, and so did I. And uh, that that early miss on the uh, on the dig to Deontay Johnson, man, mm-hmm. it looked bad enough on TV tape. But when you go back and you look at it, uh, however you want to look at it on the all 22, mo- most notably the press box view, uh, that might have been a touchdown, Alex, if he hits him. Yeah, there were a couple. There was one defender to- left and there was a wide receiver with him. Uh, yeah down there there's uh and one man to beat you know uh and he's running running in stride and the guy the guy trailing him i don't think was going to get him at that point uh at worst that's a double explosive play i think maybe even i I don't forget how far out they were but uh that might have been a touchdown right there that that he missed Deontay just feels like the most cursed receiver i mean that could have been a touchdown the one at the end of the half Certainly would have been a walking touchdown. They granted they did score in that drive a couple of plays later to Fryermuth, but I mean Deontay, now he's hurt. I mean, this guy just can't can't buy a touchdown at all. But yeah, that was a miss. This one's not on picket, but you had the great clip. I think you posted even on Monday that Calvin Austin getting open on that bending crossing route and the defender slipped and fell down. And that that's a touchdown to picket. You know, there's some pressure. He bails out to his right away from where Calvin Austin was running. So you look back on some of those plays and say, man, just just a little bit, this, that, you know, you clean this up a little bit and you have a couple of explosive plays. Yeah, I know. some people said, well, he, he still should have uh, anticipated and been able to, to lob that out, out there. I, I, I disagree yeah. with that. He had to get out of that pocket at that time yeah. uh, there. Uh, and I don't think Austin had, had totally come out of his break at, at that point. And, uh, obviously, the defender, I don't think, had fallen down or was either on the way down at that point and all. So there's uh, I, 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 I put that just on poor protection. In, so that goes mm-hmm. back to the offensive line. You, if you, if you uh, better pass protect, maybe some of these negatives that are sticking out as far as the offensive line are swaying me from your good to less than good. Uh, now I, I, after seeing some of these things here, but, uh, sure. they, they, uh, they, they definitely could have, uh, that, that would have been a big play had a protection held up. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I mean, I thought I thought both interceptions were really bad reads by picking him, just forcing passes. Even the first one to Deontay, we don't talk about too much. I mean, it, they're running a smash concept. 49ers are in man coverage. Pittsburgh's probably thinking they're going to get, uh, going to get cover two on that play. And I think what Pickett tried to do was do what he did to Pat Frymuth against the Bills and try to kind of throw back shoulder, kind of throw Deontay open, and then Deontay slips. But you just can't make that throw. I mean, that's man co- coverage. Deontay's locked up to the sideline. You know, either take the sack is not the worst thing in the world there or throw the ball away, scramble, whatever it is. But that's forcing a throw. And then certainly the throw to Connor Hayward late in that game against cover two with Warner running downfield. You just can't make that play. It's a dagger concept. Robinson's coming in underneath where the linebackers clearing out. That's a completion. Um, just pick it. Just trying to do too much. Uh, 
Speaking of that missed uh, slant for a touchdown to uh, to Deontay, did you enjoy it? Did you did you play it like you know 10, 12, 14, 18 times? Because I hope you did because it was the only slant they ran in the game. Mm. That's cr- the only slant that was uh, that was targeted, is what you're saying, right? That was the only slant that Sports Info Solutions has down as being a route run in a game. Really? <laughs> okay, well. That's depressing because we talked about all offseason about the need to incorporate some of these yak and slants and crossing. I mean, there were, you know, there were some shallow crosses and some digs, but that's uh, that's depressing. Yeah. Now, I have not, you know, sports sports info solutions. Good. You know, good at this stuff. And mm-hmm. but they, they do make mistakes and all. I haven't gone back specifically play by play. Maybe I'll, I maybe I gave myself a new rabbit hole today, but uh, and I believe it. Uh, according to that, that was the only slant run in that game. Yeah, and I, I was I might write about this. I think one of our film guys might be writing about this. I know that Ted Wynn for The Athletic wrote about this, which we in turn wrote about this morning. And I'm not, again, not trying to blame any one person. And I think Pickett was still the worst guy on the field for Pittsburgh's offense in this game. But man, this offense is boring, Dave. I, you know, that's my terrible takes on that today. Just the same concepts. I'm just writing the same notes. This Matt play, Canada this told display. you that, that, that it wasn't going to change. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Credit to the honesty for that. I mean, it's just the same, you know, post drag. I mean, it's, you know, two Hank. by two with Hank, mirrored concepts the whole time. I mean, I, I literally just have notes of, you know, these five plays were the same. These three plays were the same. Out of three by one, they did this. Out of two by two, they did that. I mean, it's just it's so many spacing concepts. It's not many route combinations. It's really putting defenders in conflict. I the mean, one, it is the just... one time that you run a switch out a bunch was at Calvin Austin. And yeah. then, then the other time when you run that deep dig to uh, Deontay, you miss it. Sure. I mean, again, this is this is a personnel issue. This is a picket issue. It's a line issue. It's it's a receiver issue. It, it, but it's also a coaching issue. And just to the broader point, even knowing that, yeah, there were certainly plays that should have been made that would have made the offense more productive and everything look better on the day. I'm just, I'm just bored watching this offense. And I don't, I'm not the only one to express that opinion. Like I said, Ted Wynn did. I know Dan Orlovsky had the tweet about them running the same plays over and over again. Um, it's accurate. I mean, it just feels so, so bland to watch this offense work. And unless you have a running game now, you know, to, to, to loosen some of this stuff up that they are trying to, to, to do a lot of, you know, where where are the explosive plays going to come from? Where are where are the yards after the catch going to come from? And to to the credit, I mean, Deontay uh, had the twenty something yards on a nice catch and cut, and and then he went get, unfortunately went down with a hamstring. Yeah. And then the other uh, once again, uh, you you don't want to cherry pick, but it's our job sometimes to cherry pick as well. Well, too, you take those two those two plays, and the one to, to Robinson was garbage time anyway. Uh, 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 that he had, you know, whatever 20, 20 plus uh, yak on or whatnot. You take those, you take those two plays. Your yards after attempt is is uh, nothing again after that. And we just said that they ran one one slant in the game. Uh, there, how are you going to get the ball in the hands of players out in space to allow your playmakers to make plays? It's a good question. I don't have a good answer for what their approach is. And of course, now you lose Deontay Johnson and hey, will that make this offense even more static? Will it reduce yak opportunities even more? I thought Allen Robinson did have a couple of nice yak plays in this one. Most of them coming late in the game when the 49ers were kind of just you know calling things off and playing pretty, pretty soft. But 
Yeah, I'm going to, I don't know. I'm going to do something with this offense and just some of the concepts because it feels like they ran five concepts in this game. I mean, it just felt, and, and I know the game circumstance when you're backed up and you really can't run, you know, your offense the way that you want to, you know, it's going to limit your creativity. You're never going to get into a real rhythm or flow of your, of your you know play sheet. But I, I just was, I, I love watching all 22 day, but I was just bored <laughs> last night, just watching the same stuff over and over again. I'm with you, brother. Uh, <laughs> if there's any consolation to coming out of a uh, any you know a loss or a big loss is that you can go in and play around with the all 22, and you can look at and slow down every TJ Watt sack. And I mean, that's that's where I spent a lot of my time last night. Yeah, I mean, I think watching the O line is pretty fun. I like watching the different concepts and schemes and different sets these guys use under Pat Meyer. But the passing game just felt really dull. And again, I mean, you know, Kenny Pickett can't make some of these routine throws. Then you know, it's hard maybe to call more advanced stuff. But I, I just I, maybe I'm too repetitive. But I just feel like this offense is so based on individual guys winning their matchup as opposed to good route combinations that really stress a defense. Yeah, and then you know you try to run seam stuff like they did. Uh, late to 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 Connor and you know, Fred Warner, he he ran that route for Connor. Yeah, but Pickett can't make that throw. Like I have no problem with the play call there. Sure. You can't make that throw. I mean, Robinson's Robinson didn't run that route super hard, but he's coming underneath, and and that's well. The that's why I go hit. back to what I said earlier in the show. I think Pickett was just frustrated. What you know, uh, at that point, wanting to make things happen, yeah. and and he's got to stop doing that. He's got to he's got right. to take what's there. Uh, <laughs> what what you know. <laughs> take the small profit i guess even you know small profit is is better than than turning the football over you know? mm-hmm. were there any positives offensively to speak of dave i'll go back to that Najee harris uh explosive run uh and you know for uh, look i i'll call it the way it is you know I, I'm, i've been on him for explosive runs and him not not you know being one that produces them, but that was an uh, that was an impro- impressive explosive run on his part. That was yeah. one. That was one positive. Uh, I think uh, Calvin Austin, for what he was asked to do, uh, did okay in this one. Uh, trying to think what else stood He's out. He's got to work harder in scramble drills. So then that first third down sack where Pickett hit his head, Austin is not running to the quarterback in that scramble drill. Okay. Okay. But but I, I mean I thought he was you know fine overall. Uh, I, I, that's not too many positives on offense overall. Uh, 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 uh Washington and his pancake of Bosa. Yeah, that was a nice play. I thought Washington. I mean, that, that's one play. I I don't know if I try to look at that thing eighteen different times to see if maybe Bosa slipped a little bit. But uh, uh, thing is, I tell you, the one of the impressive things about it is is uh about all that is. Washington popped back. You know, he didn't he he didn't rest on his laurels of that <laughs> being a win. He, yeah. he he was right up off top top of him real quick moving forward down the field for whatever it, that was worth. It's a sign of a man who's done it before. Now not against Nick Bosa, but yeah, it's a guy that just been there, done that. Let's move on. So yeah, that was a good rep. Um I'll tell you one other positive on mm-hmm. offense. Hey, look at this. We got many. Uh, Mason Cole, we got to see his 40 yard dash. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Who you says, we... who says the 40 yard dash at the combines meaningless? <laughs> I thought we were going to see, I thought we were going to do something big there. We gave me a uh, reverse Uno card there, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was good effort. You know, kudos to Cole for fighting and terrible situation to, to chase that one out of bounds. 
I mean, yeah, you had the angle and yada, yada, but you still got to get there. And he was motoring. Wouldn't call it Larry Allen esque, but, but in that he was, that he, he comes into frame movie. pretty quick there though. <laughs> that Larry Allen play that, you know, what I'm talking yeah. about against the saints that that's the one of my favorite, literally one of my favorite fo- uh, football players of, uh, of all time. Um, in terms of that, I, I thought a core for it right tackle was really strong. I think even against Bosa, I mean, he wasn't perfect, obviously, but I thought he's just really comfortable out there and he varies his sets, he jump sets and tries to to mix things up a bit. I thought overall, uh, he, he you know he just looks very comfortable out there. All right, we're just uh, uh, at we've reached a point where we're just admiring the 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 the, <laughs> uh, the brass uh, fixtures fixtures on the on the on the ship right now. Yeah. All right, all 22 defensively. Again, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I think the individual defensive line played played well. I, I just, they didn't make a ton of plays in the backfield, and the pile moved forward, and the 49ers just stayed on schedule, and then they had, they popped a couple of big runs, obviously. So, yeah, I, I don't know what to make of the D-line in this game. Uh, they could have used Hayward, I'll tell you that. Uh, a healthy Hay- Hayward, but even that, I, I don't know if it would have been enough because uh, the 49ers were doing a good job uh, mixing in the run, staying ahead of the chains, and you know had uh, uh, Brock Purdy uh, getting the ball out fairly quick most of the time. Really, most of the time when he held the ball was when he got in trouble, right? With uh, with uh, with T.J. Watt uh, there. But uh, we already talked about defensive line. I thought, you know, going back through this thing, I thought the outside linebackers played really well for the Steelers in this game. And yeah. Uh, that's obviously what uh, I thought Highsmith. Uh, yeah, he didn't have you know a lot of as far as pass rush and stuff goes, but I thought against the run, he represented himself well. I thought Marcus Golden, that's one thing we mm-hmm. talked about when he was signed, right? This guy crashing down and making plays uh, against the run. I thought he represented himself well. And I thought Nick Herbig, for the limited amount of snaps that he played, uh, represented himself well. So I don't think... Uh, uh, if you want to look at uh, pointing fingers on a defensive side of football, uh, you got to go a long way uh, before you get to the outside linebackers. He he wore he he wore McKivitz like a hat, man, and really he didn't vary up a lot of stuff in that as well, too. Mostly just knocking his damn hands around from him and either running running the hoop or running the rip. Yeah, no, I think it, it was working, so I just keep doing it until they stop it, and, and they never really stopped it. But yeah, I think the outside backers. We're good in this game. I'm, I'm with you, of course. Watt was dominant. I thought even Highsmith against the run was, you know, pretty active and had beat Williams on a spin move one time. You know, Drew Holding Call wasn't a great game overall rushing against Trent Williams, but rarely as it is for any pass rusher. And yeah, I thought Golden and, and Herbig were active as well. Uh, inside linebackers, not a good game overall. Uh, when it, when it comes to, I thought of Landon Roberts did a couple of nice things. There were some misfits. No, I still haven't figured out what happened on the, uh, McCaffrey run. Mm. Uh, 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 was it Minka that said someone, yeah. uh, not where he, I, it, it's hard to discern where to place the blame there. Yeah. Unless there was some sort of pre-snap thing or somebody wasn't aligned properly. Oh, we should mention and uh, this has become the free space on the bingo card. It feels like to start every season with Mike Tomlin citing communication issues defensively and seemingly implying the coaches were putting too much on Pittsburgh's plate early in this one that probably was overcomplicating things to create a problem. So we talked about a day of communication issues, all these new pieces. We're going to create some issues, especially against a really you know strong motion heavy 49er scheme. And lo and behold, it was a problem. Yep. Um, I thought I, I'm with you. I think Roberts played pretty well. He should play a lot against Cleveland. Cleveland, you need a downhill dude that's going to just attack and, and fly to the football against the run. And Roberts, I think, is that kind of guy. I, I would agree. I would agree with that. 
Holcomb, I thought, was pretty poor in this one. Not super gaps out. I really couldn't get off of blocks. Um, coverage was okay, but but nondescript. And Alexander just seemed to be just okay out there. I thought the big issue just defensively was just the secondary. And, and it's not even necessarily, it's partly the, the individual, but just playing so soft. How much you know, soft zone do you want to play in this game? Purdy's going to eat up soft zone. Make him play man coverage. Make Purdy make some big time throws and test that arm a little bit in terms of you know placement and velocity and fitting the ball in there in a tight window. I mean, they just gave them easy pitch and catch, you know, for, for most of this game. Yeah, he, he was not afraid to take a profit quick, was he? Right. That, yeah, that, that's the remo is stay on schedule and you can take a profit when your run game's working like that. If you're in third and 12, you can't take a profit. You know, if you're on second 11, you're trying to get those yards back in a hurry. You can't take four yards there and just, you know, move the sticks and be in third and seven. So um, Pittsburgh never really buried up their scheme too much. And I mean, the 49ers ran... Like they got three completions downfield, like 15 yards on the same stuff, just, you know, two by two. And they just ran a curl underneath to hold the underneath hook defender. And they ran a dig behind and got like three completions off of that. So I thought the secondary, just the, the play calling was poor and the execution was not very good either. Right. I, I would agree. What did you think on that first touchdown to Peterson? I know uh, Richard Sherman's uh, chimed in on it, too. Yeah, Peterson's talked about it. He, he thought he got too much depth there. You don't want to backpedal in the end zone. Um, I know he's playing outside leverage, and I understand. You know, I know Sherman said, you know, make him throw the out. But, you know, but single high safety, you're playing with outside leverage to try to funnel it inside. I mean, he slips. It's just there's a lot going on there. Um, and the safety, he, you know, Sherman thinks uh, uh, the, 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 the safety should have turned back in, yeah. in, inside. And, but there's a lot. Uh, even if all that happens and even Peterson doesn't slip and safety lets the guy go through the, the zone there, that's still probably a touchdown. Yeah, I think so. So not a great play call, good execution by the 49ers, just kind of a kind of a mess all around. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm trying to evaluate Peterson's performance, you know, the slipping is, you know, hopefully that won't happen again. I, you know, apparently that was the, most improbable catch of the entire week was that second touchdown Ayuk had on Patrick Peterson. So you sit there and say, okay, you got a slip. You got a really good catch by the 49ers. You know, Peterson did have two breakups, nearly a pick there. I think his game was maybe a bit better than what the numbers suggest, but obviously for all the talking he did prior to that game, you get two touchdowns on you. You know, they're going to get a lot of talk back at you after the game. Let's see. Calvin Austin this morning said he's ready to move inside if that's the plan. All we have to do is all, all, all we'll have to step up for the loss of Deontay. Now, I don't I haven't listened to the entire question uh, here, but uh, that goes back to kind of what we talked about earlier in the game. Is he volunteering or was he asked, uh, uh, you know, was he asked specifically, will you move inside? So it'll be interesting. Once again, I, you know, if you go off of uh, what happened in that game against the 49ers, and even after Deontay left that you would think that he, he's going to play outside more. Yeah. I mean, the numbers dictate that. So we'll see. I don't know what the question was. Um, again, they're going to mix and match. It's not going to be you're an outside guy. You're an inside guy and they're never going to change that. But I, I'm, I'm based on how it went. I'm expecting Austin to play more on the outside. But here's, we'll the th- here, here's the thing. If he does play inside, don't, don't have the tells related what you're going to do with him on that. Right. But the, with some of the jets or what, you know, just mix it up on in the snaps that you are going. Here's a good thing. At least when he, when Calvin Austin was on the field, it didn't seem like there was a red flashing light on him, you know? 
No, he's he's a receiver. I mean, he's not a gadget. I mean, he can be a gadget guy, but he's not just a gadget guy. He's a true and blue receiver. That's what he was at Memphis. I think that's what he's capable of being. Um, just really quickly, uh, quickly to go back to the offense. Pittsburgh ran more RPOs in this game than I thought that they would. They really haven't shown RPOs uh, in camp or in the preseason. Um, it was interesting though. I don't know if Pickett threw once on any of the RPOs that they had. He just handed the ball off each time. And some of them, you know, sometimes that's the right decision. It's based on box count and coverage and all that but uh just had a note there that there were more rpos and i don't think pick it through once on those rpos oh you gave me another rabbit hole to go down today yeah so there's that uh any other final thoughts here on the all 22 in this one um yeah just in coverage wise just really soft really loose and it was not effective yeah just uh, came i came to the same conclusion it was a team loss yeah all right, Dave, what else do we have here? Any other uh, news of the day that we're, we're missing that we need to address? I mean, a bunch of workouts they had on Tuesday. Much of that is because of the injuries they're dealing with. Um, again, signing Jacob Copeland, uh, former Florida Gator and Maryland Terp. Um, they did bring in Kyron Johnson for a workout, who I think an interesting pass rusher. I think he was with uh, Philadelphia, Andy Weidel connection there, but uh, he has not been signed. All right, shall we get to the uh, email machine? Yeah, let's get to a couple of reader emails and close out today's show. All right, Chris Wade, uh, guys, if Matt Canada says we need to score more points tomorrow, I just might lose it. <laughs> Thanks for the cut <laughs> to get, uh, yeah, t- take, take your pills, Chris, cause you might need them. Uh, Muthina writes in some of these overreactions from Sunday's loss are ridiculous. I appreciate your objectivity in moments like this. Some of these fans, I swear you think there's a first season watch football, I've been watching football for years. And I can tell you, you always get, uh, uh, anomalies in September. I can dig up a hundred examples, but I won't because even half astute fans understand this fact. Ne- nevertheless, here are a few general observations he has. Uh, he says, Dan Moore wasn't as bad as PFF made him out to be on Sunday. He says, I thought the inside of our line uh, was the bigger issue. Fans are biased against Moore because they're eager to see Broderick. Uh, our secondary was awful on Sunday. They didn't tackle well, didn't cover. Firemuth's limitations as a blocker are a growing concern. He's a liability out there, he says. I'm mildly concerned with Pickens' uh, attitude in times of adversity. Uh, also, fans need to slow their roll with Pickens. He makes some great combat catches, but he isn't an elite wide receiver. Uh, with regards to Pickett, he says he obviously had a bad game, but with a lot of quarterbacks, you don't get a sense of who they are until late in their second year, in my opinion. People need to pump the brakes on their evaluation of him, let the information roll in, then assess. He says, I can't stand the hot take nonsense. Look, I mean, uh, I've said in you know, Alex and I talked, I think even on the live stream the other night, you know, I I've, I've said for a while now, I'd like to, I like to give a, a quarterback about 20 games, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and that puts a uh, picket around, you know, let, let, let's, yeah. I mean, what, what might we, we be talking about a week from now? I don't know, but uh, this is a big opportunity for, for picket to turn things around in week two and be, more of the quarterback that we saw during the preseason and late last season. I mean, no, they shouldn't be tanking or for, for Caleb or anything uh, like this. I mean, it's, it's one game. Obviously, it wasn't, wasn't the kind of game that any of us probably expected out of, out of, out of, out of picket here. So, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. Slow, pump your brakes, slow your roll, whatever, when it comes to picket specifically. I am, I, I'm, I, I'm with uh, Muthina on this. I'm mildly concerned about Pickens right now with the whole IG thing and just that. I mean, several people have tried to do lip reader on, on, on 
his comments, you know, uh, late in five minutes in the fourth, in the fourth quarter, when uh, the ca- camera zooms in on him, something to the effect, they think he said, uh, this ain't it bro. Or something like that, you know, uh, along there, I'm sure he's frustrated. I'm sure there's a lot of people frustrated. So I am, I, okay. I, I am mildly concerned with Pickens right now, but, but let's see how this team rebounds. Firemuth limitations as a blocker. He points out, look, I've, I've stated that, I mean, Firemuth out in space is fantastic as a blocker. Okay. He does have his limitations as an inline guy. He needs to work through that. Uh, secondary was awful. Yeah. Didn't tackle well, didn't cover agreed. What about his comment about Dan Moore? Wasn't as bad as PFF made him out to be Sunday. There's a kernel of truth to that, and I don't know exactly how PFF grades things, but it feels like they'll they'll charge a tackle for a pressure, even if it's been five and a half seconds, like that the sack that Pickett had the first one of the game on that third down. I'm guessing they probably charged more negatively on that game, but that's like five seconds, and Pickett's scrambling and rolling to his left. I, I don't blame Dan Moore for that, so it probably wasn't. The old adage is it's never as bad as you think it is, never as good as you think that it is. I don't think Moore played well. I think it was a bad game overall. Was it maybe to the degree of badness that PFF says? Maybe not. I'll do my sack breakdown later this week and kind of have a more determination of of where to blame some of those uh, sacks. But bottom line is Moore did not play well. Uh, Bryce writes in, even after one game, I've seen enough since Cam is hurt, put 95 in there, let him, uh, learn, sink or swim. Would love to have brought him along slow, but you just don't have that luxury moving forward. He says the base defense should be Larry, uh, Braden Fajoko and the rookie with Loudermilk Adams and Watts, uh, backing them up and rotating in when needed. Uh, he says Nichols should be the rookie and Larry Ogunjobi and everyone else can rotate in. Yeah. We pretty much kind of. Uh, laid that out earlier in the show there. Uh, number two, after watching the game more thoroughly, what, did you have something break in? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, just to talk about Benton, I know we've talked about him some, but what, what was more your, your evaluation of him? I, I thought I thought his hips were really good. Yeah, I agree. Physical, I thought the hips was good. I, mean, I there's... I, I thought for the I thought I thought he was impressive, man. I really did. I, I thought I he kept what, his balance well. I think what he needs though is a bull rush. The bull rush is not there, and that's something that Cam Hayward, you know, has made a, a career off of. I'm not saying it has to be Hayward good, but he's not really threatening with power and tackles. Are going to, excuse me, centers and guards are going to begin to sit on some of those finesse moves. He can, he, yo, he's he he he's got kind of that that uh, that that club and that that arm over. Oh yeah, know? oh yeah, that, that's his go to, and that's where the hips you can really see. I mean, it's a little bit. I know, I know, the Hargrave is kind of the trendy comparison, and I see that with Benton, but I, I mean, not that the body some types are one to one. There is definitely some to it in Benton's game, especially with the hips. Yeah, uh, the ability to get turned and upfield quickly. Yeah, so that was good, but I do think he has to add power to his game because even in even later in this game against San Francisco, you saw the, the interior line begin to kind of sit and anticipate him doing some of those arm overs and clubs and finesse type moves to, to the corner. Michael Galapo from Atlanta. You talked on a Monday podcast and during the live stream about McFarland being the clear target when he was was in on offense, especially on the fourth down play. Here's a question for you guys, but uh, that I remember you talking about in the offseason. Did Calvin Austin have a red flashing light over him on his snaps? In other words, how many snaps was he target or a ball carry? I know some of uh, this may may be skewed after Deontay left the game, but was wondering about the mix and 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 or if clearly he was a, a, a gadget check. Michael, look, I, I it's one game. Uh but uh, at no sense, and he played 
he played quite a few snaps in this game and, you know, mostly obviously played outside, but did play a little, I never got a sense that, Oh, there's Calvin Austin. Look out, you know, uh, uh, uh flashing red light. He's going to get the ball. I did. I didn't get that sense after this one game. I don't think that's going to be the sense moving forward. Uh, uh, if, if anything, at this point, I almost wish there was a red flashing light on him now, uh, because with Deontay out, I, they got to get the ball in his hands in space. Yeah, no, I, he was, this is not Dree Archer, Chris Rainey, any, you know, sort of gadget thing like that. McLeod, Switzer, that was so just confined to the line of scrimmage. Um, I, I thought, if anything, McFarland kind of had the light on him. They have some fourth down plays kind of built in for McFarland, uh, including the one catch that he had. So I think that's an interesting approach there that they kind of built a fourth round package for Anthony McFarland. Chris Warren, uh, during the Sunday uh, pregame shows, several national analysts picked the Jets to win the Super Bowl. These guys never seem to look past uh, the skill position players. There are very few quarterbacks who can be good, let alone great, with poor offensive line play. Uh, in Ben's last few years, he certainly wasn't as good as he was in his prime, but how good might he have been with a better O-line? P.S. Kenny had one bad game, and the O-line play wasn't particularly good. People need to take take, take a deep breath, breath and relax. Yeah, we'll... Uh, Let's see how he plays against uh, the Browns. Uh, the Brett, Aaron Rodgers uh, playing again? What are, you, what are your quick? I I was just gutted to see that happen on Monday night. But does he does he play next year? They can get out of the deal. I mean, there's a lot of dead money involved. But uh, depending on how they're see, I tell you what, Aaron, Aaron ain't going to be happy if they draft a quarterback early next year. Uh, and well, by then he'll have decided. I think it's, it's his decision. I, Achilles is such a tough. Me and yeah. my wife were talking about this. I, you know, it's rare that you see it. I guess generally with a quarterback and all like that, but a quarterback at his, I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough yeah. injury for anybody to come back from. Uh, and you're talking about a guy that's already limited in mobility as it is. I, I will admit, my the thought crossed my head that we might have uh, seen the last snap of Aaron Rodgers. I think it's possible. I think though he comes back. I don't think he yeah. wants to go out this way, given that he was so excited to come to New York and just doesn't want to leave on, on a literal four snaps into the season. But uh, yeah, it has not had I me mean, 39 Achilles Marino tore his Achilles when he was 32 when he came back and played another you know, five, six years and played well. But there's not a lot of track record there for the position. Brett Nile writes in, uh, gotta, oh, we'll try to power through these. Uh, he thought Calvin Austin should be on, I'm, I'm going to keep this brief. He thought uh, Calvin Austin should have been on Alex's winner's, winner's list. I mean, six catches with 37 yards. Is that winner? I mean, it was not, it was a tough day for winners in this one, but that to me, that didn't, didn't clear the winner's bar. Uh, second, uh, about this loss that the media, he, he thinks it'll be good about the media staying off the Steelers hype train for a while. This team needs to be the underdog to succeed. Never does well as a front runner. It's probably too bad. This team did not get some adversity into preseason. I, 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 I don't buy too much into that. I mean, were they maybe sm smelling themselves a little bit c coming out of the, the preseason? I, I guess, but I, I mean, the media wasn't on this team until after the preseason started, if we're being honest here. No, they weren't, but they jumped on pretty, pretty quickly and heavily. And it does feel like for whatever reason, when Pittsburgh's the underdog, they can really kind of lean into that chip on their shoulder, you know, whether that's the rah-rah speech or seeing stuff on, on the internet. Um, so there might be some truth there, but it's obviously hard to, to quantify.
Yeah, there's no measuring really stick for it. I mean, I get the premise there. Uh, Brett, number three, I'm disappointed but not surprised in Pickett's game. For all the Kenny stands and haters, I'm going to say this. Welcome to the world of second-year quarterbacks. All second-year quarterbacks are up and down, blah, blah, blah. Uh, at least uh, Kenny, and there are probably at least two more games like that coming. I know people don't remember anymore, but Ben had several games like this uh, in his second year. Uh, I Basically, his advice is to strap in and get ready for a roller coaster. Don't get too high with the preseason or too low uh, with this game. Okay, point taken. Uh, let's go on to the next uh, email here. Richard Jamison uh, asked about, uh, can Dr. Mel uh, talk about the groin injuries? Uh, she already has, Richard. She wrote a nice post about it on the site. Uh, the doctor is in. We advise everybody to go by and read that. TJ Watt, Charles Munger's got his ten, 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 TJ Watt tenfold hat on. Mm. Says, with, with Hayward going on IR and TJ Watt turning 29 this year, I think the Steelers might have to make a drastic move to improve the roster in the future. There are, are one and if they are one and five or two and four at the buy, I would shop TJ Watt mm. for a for a Khalil Mack trade package. He says it's not like TJ alone has helped this team win a playoff game going to disagree with you there charles i imagine alex is as well trade tj watt for an older pass rusher no no trade him for for a oh, oh, uh, in that kind of compensation. type, type of com oh, compensation I see. there i see well either way yeah i'm going to disagree there i thought we we're going to go jj watt there i've seen people talk about that they're not going to sign jj watt guys he hasn't done anything football released and you know his own workouts but he's not in football shape anything remotely close he's retired so i know I know people are trying to get the, the cheap clicks off of that, but uh, we're not going to do that. J.J. Watt's not going to be a stealer. All right. Uh, we've run a little bit long here, and it's more about picket. Keep, keep your pants on type uh, type questions here. So sorry we can't get to them all. There, I know we've got a couple that we didn't get to. Resend them if you think they're, they're still uh, important, and maybe we'll hit them on the Friday show. So anything else to wrap up? Any breaking news? Any final thoughts, Alex? No, not seeing anything. Players will speak today. We'll see how that goes. Um, and yeah, come back Friday. And uh, I guess our preview show won't be really until what, Monday with the Monday night game, but we'll figure it out for Friday. Yeah, I think we're going to have uh, we're, we're efforting Scott Petrak uh, to come back on and talk about the uh, the Browns on the Friday show and all like that uh, as well, too. So hopefully uh, no snafu there. So uh, let's see. Until Friday, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate. SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button up right navigational bar. Also, if you'd like an ad-free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the uh, uh, ad-free button up right navigational bar. Until Friday, as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.